Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Brickies Show with me, Ethan, coming up on today's show. Um, um, another head-to-head, the best guest, and um, an interview with Rich from Buy Bike and Boat, who lives on a narrowboat full-time with 14,000 followers on Facebook. So hopefully you liked the last episode live. It was very stressful but very exciting for my one year anniversary. Hopefully this one is a little bit more relaxing because I am in my element uh, recording it, not doing it live. Um, uh, And also I did go on a little bit with the reaction uh, of the best moments. So sorry about that. I couldn't really edit it out because it was already up. But if you haven't checked it out, the link is down in the description down below. So, um, it's been half turn this week, which was really good. Uh, good to have a nice rest off. Uh, but I've actually been really, really busy. So, my grandma was here over the bank holiday weekend. Uh, we went out for a meal and things like that. Um, but uh, then we took her back on Monday... Um, and uh, stayed at my auntie's for a night, and then came back on Tuesday. Uh, then I had a drama workshop uh, uh, thing on Wednesday and Thursday. Then I went out on Friday for a very long walk. It was like seven miles, nearly eight miles. Uh, we walked to Cauldron Snout, uh, which is kind of the start of the River Tees uh, near Cow Green Reservoir, and that was really fun, uh, but really, really tiring. Uh, then on Saturday, um, I went uh, to get a COVID test uh, before I have my operation on Tuesday. Uh, so now I have to isolate until Tuesday. So I'm all COVID safe. Uh, because if you didn't know, um, back in January, I had basically two screws put in my left leg. Um uh, because uh, my right one is short, my right leg is shorter my, than my left leg. Uh, so uh, the screws stopped my left leg uh, from growing while my right leg catched up. So um, when we went back in like April, there was n- there was only a 0.4 centimeter difference, and before it was like three centimeters, which is very good. Um, so uh, they're going to take the two screws out. Um, uh, so they're going to take the screws out, um, back out, so um, I, I won't have screws in my leg anymore. Um, but yeah, basically that is what I'll be doing for the next week. Um, uh, and also, I've had a haircut, I know. Um, you can probably see, it's a lot shorter on these sides here. I had clippers on it, and it's probably a lot shorter on the back as well. Um which is really good. I didn't like the long hair, and I can style it a little bit more, uh, and it looks uh, better now, um, which is good. Um, but yeah. Also, this is the last show um, for a month because the next show is supposed to be um, 
on the week of my birthday, so I'm going to take that one off. Uh, but we will be back on the 3rd of July on audio and the 4th of July on video. Um, also, I do want to say a big thank you for 80 subscribers. I don't think I've said thank you for that. Uh, now we're on 84, which is absolutely amazing. Only 16 subscribers away from our goal of 100 subscribers, um, which is amazing. So if you haven't subscribed already, please do. It does mean a lot to me. So now it is time for part one uh, of my interview with Rich from Buy Bike and Boat. Welcome on Jula. Bo Boater and has uh, 14k followers on Facebook, uh, 37, uh, no, th 377 on Twitter, 904 on uh, Instagram, and his newly launched YouTube channel uh, with 388 uh, subscribers. It's Rich from uh, Buy Bike and Boat. So, how are you doing today? Uh, fantastic. And Ethan, let me start off by saying that. Uh, all, all of the crew are, are complete fans of yours. Uh, over the last few, uh, well, over the last week, actually, we've worked our way through so many of your shows. And oh, thank uh, you. really, really impressed. You seem thank to have you. it together. Thank you. Um, so um, if you don't, if people don't know what you do, uh, could you just explain to them what, what you do? Definitely. Well, I live life. Um, <laughs> basically, we... Uh, Back in uh, August last year, I well, July last year, I decided to change uh, tact and I was a gardener and uh, I taught myself how to make copper jewellery and uh, it came at a really tricky time for me because it was just uh, at the same time I lost my dad and it really hit home to me just how important it was uh, to live your life to the fullest and to follow what your heart is saying, you know. And uh, so, as I say, I started making jewellery back in July last year. And uh, yeah, I mean, it hasn't stopped. Like you said, you read out those stats. And sometimes I just sit here and I think, you know, why? Why are all these people so interested in what I'm doing? Um, and I think actually speaking to some of them, because I get to meet so many of them as they come and uh, uh, watch me make jewellery on the back of the boat, on the back of the bluebell here. Uh, we've already actually we've only been here in Nantwich uh, probably about an hour and a half and we've already had two people pop by to say hello who follow us on social media. Um, but uh, I think, you know, it means so much to so many different types of people. We get boaters following us. We get people that just like the jewellery. Uh, we get people that like the fact that we home educate our kids as well following. Um, so, yeah. So so that's basically who we are. We, we love to travel. Uh, we're very nomadic as a family. There's four of us on the boat plus our cats and our new rescue puppy. And um, yeah, really, we just, we just spend our days following our heart and uh, traveling and adventuring and learning new cultures within our own country. It's fantastic. So um, what, so, you, so you've, been, you, you've been living it, uh, on the boat since July, did you say? No, no, no. So we moved oh. on the boat four years ago. Oh, four so, years ago. Um, it was our four-year anniversary on the 18th of May. Oh, and okay. uh, we, the, the thing is, Ethan, is that having the boat, it was almost like a tease for the real life, the life that we wanted to live. And so what would happen is we would, you know, when I could get two weeks off of work uh, down in Oxford, we would pop off on the boat and we would uh, get up as far as Coventry or as far as uh, Warwick. And uh, 
uh, I mean, it was actually the last time when we was up in Warwick that things really started to change for us because we met this guy. Um, I don't know if you know the story, but we met this guy on the water point in Warwick who had decided at the end of the last lockdown that he just wanted to go off traveling. And uh, he had £140 and he just got on his bicycle and decided to head to Wales. That's where he wanted to have his holiday. And uh, it was so fantastic to meet somebody who just, you know, <laughs> just basically said, OK, well, that's life, but it's not for me. And the whole rat race is not for me. And I just want to get off and I want to go and experience the world around me. And uh, I just loved that the fact that he just he just got up and went, and that was a real sort of like kick up the backside for us uh, to find something which would allow us to do uh, the same thing. So we've been travelling since uh, uh, around about the end of August, actually, the beginning of September. We left Oxford, which is near our home mooring, um, back in uh, when was that? Now December. So, so you've been living full time on the boat uh, for. for just just coming up to a year four years uh, oh four okay years. yeah so we, we we moved on four years ago and we started by bike and boat the jewelry business in uh july august oh okay okay um so um why why did you decide to move on the boat in the first place um I think that for me personally, I always wanted something different um, and I've always been a bit alternative in doing things. You know, I would I would have gone to live in a straw bale house or, uh, you know, a cabin in the woods quite happily. Um, but it came down purely to finances. We were living in a place called Whitney, which is just outside Oxford. And uh, we had figured over 10 years we had spent £110,000 on rent. Um, and we didn't have that money, you know, we didn't have anything really to show for that money. And, uh, we were walking down, uh, sorry, driving actually from Whitney into Oxford and Jackie, um, I told Jackie this fact and, and basically out of her mouth came, well, why don't we live on a narrowboat? And that was like completely out of the blue. Um, and, uh, really, really shocked me within, uh, 10 to 15 minutes, we found ourselves next to the Oxford Canal at Wolvercote in Oxford. Um, and we spent the rest of the day walking up and down canals, looking at boats. Now, bear in mind, at this point, Jackie had never even been on a narrowboat. I don't think she'd even laid eyes on a narrowboat other than being in a magazine or on the telly. Um, and so it was a big leap. And later that day, we actually, Jackie did get to go on her first narrowboat uh, into the front cabin in one of the local marinas and uh, commented just how tight and small and claustrophobic it was. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, did, did you buy your, your boat, um, in like Oxford then? No, we went up to, uh, Northamptonshire where there's a big, uh, boat brokerage. And, uh, in this, in this space, they've got like between 50 and a hundred boats that you can walk around and you can go and see what type you would like. So for instance, the boat that just went past us now on the canal, that's got a, a semi-trad stern. Blue bell that we're on now is a, is a trad stern, which means there's not a heck of a lot of room at the back. The engine room's all enclosed. Uh, whereas this bit, there's a little bit of a patio on the back. And then there's a cruiser stern where there's a nice big patio on the back as well. So it was nice to be able to go and view loads of different kinds of boats um so that we could get an idea of the boat that we actually wanted yeah uh what so did you buy the boat like new then no it was second hand oh, okay. um and we had gone and seen so many different boats 
um, uh, during those few weeks when we were before we found Bluebell, and um, we we got heartbroken every single time because either it was a really decent boat, but either the wrong price or um, really we were wet behind the ears even that it had a different name it had the wrong name for us we didn't like the name and we didn't realize that you could change the name it was quite simple to do um, <laughs> and then uh we also decided because we're a family of four so at this point fleur my daughter who's now four um four and a half was six months old and bobby my son who's now 10 was four uh sorry six years old and uh, we thought we would need the biggest boat going. So we were going for a 72 foot long boat. Um, but I found myself at nighttime waking up in the middle of the night in sweats, waking up almost screaming because I dreamt that I'd sunk the boat in a lock, you know, because with the long boat, you haven't got much room for maneuver in the locks. Um, now I wouldn't be so worried, you know, having the experience that I have over the last four years. But it was really, really worrying me. So I said to Jackie, you know, would you mind if we went for a smaller boat as long as we had the right layout, you know, so that we had a, a, a two beds for the kids, a double bed for us and the bathroom and the kitchen and the sitting area. And Jackie agreed. So we started looking for a 60 foot boat with that sort of layout. But we wanted to decide on what name we were going with. Now, Bobby, being six years old, came up with the name the Jolly Pickle Wiggler. But I didn't fancy living on a boat <laughs> called the Jolly Pickle Wiggler. So we, we, one of the places that we really loved to visit as a family down in Oxfordshire was a place called Badbury Clump, which is a national trust property. And it's a beach forest or wood, uh, which is covered in bluebells in the spring. And so we decided that we would call the boat. If we found a boat that was the ideal boat, but we didn't like the name, we would call it Bluebell. And this was really funny even because we went off to bed and the next morning... <laughs> there was an email from the brokerage that came through at four o'clock in the morning with Bluebell's details. And it was exactly <laughs> the layout we wanted, but not only exactly wow. the layout, it was exactly the name that we had chosen the night before as well. Wow. So we needed to uh, drop everything and just shoot up to Northamptonshire and uh, go and view her. And we did. And we spent about three hours looking at her and it really felt like we was only on there for 20 minutes to half an hour. We were just completely fell in love. So, so did you know how to like sail like a narrow boat before you uh, like lived on it for the first time or not? So I remember that I went on a narrow boat uh, weekend when I was seven years old uh, with my friend uh, Jonathan for his birthday, and uh, I hadn't. I didn't, of course, at seven years old, I didn't have a chance at skippering the boat. Uh, all I did was jump on and off, maybe help at a few locks. Um, but yeah, you know, in my late thirties, I picked up this boat. It was the, it was the 18th of May and it started to rain and we were there. We were meant to be there at 11 o'clock in the morning and we eventually ended up leaving about half four in the afternoon. And so you get all this anticipation of of excitement that you're going on your maiden voyage a little bit of nervousness because you don't know what you're doing at all and the guy from the marina basically says right here's your boat here's your keys go you know and we pulled out of the marina and right in front of us literally right in front of us was a double lock so where you get two boats in side by side i was so incredibly nervous it was unbelievable uh, but i was so lucky because an elder couple just came along on their boat a little bit like this one is now and uh, they went through the lock with us they've done the first three locks with us 
Um, and that was the Long Buckley flight over in Northamptonshire. And uh, really, it was a baptism of fire. I didn't know what I didn't know what I was doing at all. It was trial and error, and there was a lot of error. Let me tell you. Uh, but we got there in the end. What? So, so you've really got like thrown in the deep end, really, uh, with sailing the boat. Exactly. It, it was a deep end in a very, very deep block. Um, but uh, to be honest, you know. I, I just kept in my mind that they hire these boats to people for a weekend who have no experience. So, you know, how hard can it be? Um, <laughs> to be honest, steering an arrowboat isn't particularly hard. There's a lot of danger, though, that you've just got to be wary of. You know, a lot of people say to us, are we not worried about the kids falling in the water or falling off the boat when we're going along? Of course we are, you know, 100% we are. But, you know, parents also who bring up their children in houses are worried about the main road outside the front of the house you know it's, it's there's always danger in life but it's about teaching the children to respect that danger and to learn to live with it and to be safe um so what was it like uh, moving out of a house into a boat and uh, did you have to get rid of a lot lot of stuff or do you do you have it in like a storage unit somewhere okay so it, it, it was incredibly um difficult in one aspect and incredibly easy in another aspect i think that um so much had to go we had we had living in a house for i mean the the, the house that we were in actually it was 11 years that we were in the house in whitney um we had everything you know and we had i i, I saw things that i hadn't seen in five or six years it was amazing how much stuff we had accumulated that we didn't even know existed um uh we had a garage to empty we had a greenhouse and a shed to empty uh and then and and a two-bedroom house to empty as well um one aspect it really really helped because getting rid of so much stuff we just put loads of stuff on like facebook marketplace so we we made a ton of cash which actually paid for you know a diesel fill up and it paid for a few bit like kids life jackets and a few bits when we were moving on the boat that we needed um but the, the, basically we had a Citroen Picasso and the plan was that we was to leave the house on the 18th of May with the four of us in. We never had the cat and the dog at that point. Uh, we've had those since moving aboard. Um, but the four of us would be in the Citroen Picasso and everything that we wanted to keep. If it didn't fit in the Citroen Picasso with us, it wasn't going to be ours anymore. We were going to give it away to charity or recycle it or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, there we toddled off. We literally got rid of everything, everything. And uh, I think the only things that we really took was the kids had a few toys each and we had uh, our wardrobe. So all of our clothes went with us um, and a few kitchen bits and pieces. And that was about it when we moved aboard. Um, so would you ever go back to living in a house or uh, do you just see yourself living on a boat forever? Uh, so to be honest, it would be a family decision. And I, you know, there's four of us and it is a democracy, very much a democracy in our household. Um, uh, I don't think that I would ever get a chance, even if I did uh, want to move back because everybody in the family is so happy with the decision that we've made um but me personally i could i don't think i ever could you know uh ethan this this morning we woke up in one of the most beautiful villages 
I've ever seen. Uh, we were in a place called Audlem, and honestly, I mean, this place was so beautiful. As I was walking around, this big, soppy, six foot four bloke had tears in his eyes of just how beautiful it was and how thankful I was that we could go and experience that um, because of our lifestyle. And, you know, this afternoon we've, 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 we, we sat down as a family, decided where we want to be, and we've cruised up to Nantwich. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, they say that moving house is one of the most stressful things in life. I love moving my house, you know, the things that we get to see, the wildlife, the otters swimming in the canal, the kingfishers, the herons, hearing, going to sleep at night with the roof open, the roof box open and listening to owls above you uh, speaking to each other. It's, it's just magical. It's like we're living in a dream. And often, Ethan, I do catch myself pinching myself uh, <laughs> because I just can't believe how um, amazing it is to live in this way. And a lot of people say... People do say to me, well, you're very lucky. Uh, in actual fact, it was a decision. It wasn't luck at all. It was maybe a little bit of bravery, maybe a little bit of stupidity. It was certainly a lot of thinking outside the box and deciding that, you know, I don't really want to live a life that people class as normal. You know, I want to, I want to actually enjoy my life and follow my heart. Um, so, yeah, that's the long answer. But the short answer is, heck no, I'm not going back to live in a house. <laughs> no and um, so what is it like living day-to-day -day in a, uh, a na narrow boat and uh, how is it like cooking and things like that and sleeping in it in such a tight space so a lot of people say that it's a tight space but in actual fact when you think about your house there's very few areas that you actually use so you might sleep in your bed you you might work from a desk but there's a lot of area in your room that you actually never really visit, you know, or you don't use very often. Yeah. And so we have the same amount of things in our place that you might have, but just in a smaller area. Um, one of the things which I noticed very, very early on is how much more social we became as a family because we've got no doors to slam. Actually, we have on the boat, we've got one, apart from the door at the front and the back, we've got one door inside that you could actually slam if you were, you know, having a bit of a Barney. Um, but it never gets slammed because people, you know, we understand that we need to still give each other space um, and we need to live socially and we need to think of each other uh, as well. So that was, that, that was the thing that became really apparent very, very early on is that the tantrums really, they didn't stop, but they reduced so much. You know, that's even me having tantrums, by the way, not just Flair and Bob. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's a, it's a very much more social way cooking is obviously done as a, as a as a group because we're in a group when we're when we're cooking something you know so everybody hand uh, lends a hand um and i think that also comes from the fact that uh, very early on we wanted bobby to feel that he was an actual a crew member as well as a family member so he would help out at locks so this morning when we did uh, i think we did uh, uh five locks this morning you know bobby's job is to run ahead to the next lot, get it set so that when we mum arrives and when I arrive, we can drive straight, you know, take the boat straight in. I'll deal with that lock. Then he runs onto the next lock. Um, the day before yesterday, we did uh, 17 locks, you know, and we, we did it in record time. And it, so it's great to have the kids feeling like they've got those age appropriate roles and responsibilities. Um, and, and that's a massive thing in our family is that sense of responsibility that we've got responsibility for ourselves, but we've also got responsibility for each other. And that way it works absolutely brilliantly. You know, it's, um, 
it, it, it's absolutely fine. The only thing I would say that's different to a boat at a house is that when somebody burns the toast, the smoke alarm goes off a lot faster, obviously because there's less air in the boat. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that, that's really only the, diff the other difference. I mean, the positives are, you know, when, when we open the side hatch in, in the morning, and it's on the wrong side here in Nantwich, but usually it's on the water side, on this side. And when we throw that open, and uh, the other night there were swan, or the other morning, sorry, there were swans with signets coming up and we can chuck swan food in um, and all of those things that you can't really do in a house. Also, you know, if you're in a position where your neighbor's a little bit annoying, in a house, you, you know, it takes a long time to sort that out. Here, we just unhitch our, our rope, start the engine and off we toddle. Yeah. And so that, that, that sounds great. So what is your favorite and your worst thing uh, thing about living on a boat? OK, my. My favorite, I think, is the fact that we can adventure every time that we want. So we're here in Nantwich this, Nantwich this week uh, until Saturday. Um, but we can decide on Tuesday, you know, that we, we've had enough and we want to move on and we can. So it's the, it, it's the freedom. Um, the worst side, do you know what? It's really hard to find a worse side. But I would say that uh, it's when you have to get a bag of logs off the roof and it's winter um, because, you know, that moment that you need to get something off the roof for the fire to keep the fire going, it's that exact moment in winter that it will start to hail or it will start <laughs> to rain. Um, it's, you know, it, it's just Murphy's Law. That's the way it works, you know. Um, but to be honest, it, it, it's really hard push to find a negative, you know, because from a financial point of view, it makes sense. From a freedom point of view, it makes sense from a stress point of view it makes sense you know because you're always just immersing yourself in nature you know um so i think that's the only thing that i can find other than the fact also i think the nickname or, or the they they say that boat b-o-a-t is uh, an anagram for bung on another thousand um, because obviously when something goes wrong on a boat, it can be very expensive. Like, for instance, if your engine fails or as it did for us, our heating failed uh, back when it was snowing earlier this year. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> the worst timing. Um, so, like... Mm. How how often do you, like, move your boat? Does it um, Does it, like depend on how you're feeling and uh, do you have it like planned out where you're gonna go to next or 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 is it just a very um spontaneous thing so i like it when it is when it is fair at the moment but i think that you know our, our real aim this year is to get to the langolan canal now the langolan canal in actual fact is only two miles that way so we are incredibly close uh, i think when we started down in oxford we were about 115 hours away uh, and now we're only two miles away, which is around about 30, 40 minutes away. Um, so we are incredibly close to making that first goal. The other places that we definitely wanted to visit this year were Manchester and Liverpool. And there's a there's a potential that we'll visit uh, Hebden Bridge as well if we've got time, uh, which is a bit further north. Um, but basically where we are now, 
there's signs along the towpath which the Canal and River Trust put out, which are the authority that look after the canal. Um, and these specific moorings that we're in now are uh, 48 hours, so two-day moorings. Um, but there's a series of two-day moorings. So all we'll do is we'll spend two days here, then we'll hop around the corner, and there's another two-day moorings, and then we'll hop a bit further, and there's two-day moorings. And that allows us then to have a week in, in Nanswich. Uh, but like I said, you know, before, you know, if we get to Wednesday and we want to move, then there's nothing to stop us starting the engine and, uh, and, and you know, and getting off. I think one of the limitations for us as, um, as, as a family um, and our business name is by bike and boat. And the reason for that is because that's the two ways that we travel uh, is by bicycle and by boat. Uh, it means that um, we need to be near certain facilities. So we can't go off into the middle of nowhere for more than a week because we would have needed to fill the tank up with the fresh water tank up with water. We would have been uh, needing to make sure that we've got enough fuel on the boat, uh, but also we'd have had to have made sure that we've got enough food. And also with Bobby and Fleur, you know, they like to be near a park, a play park, Bobby specifically near a skate park. Um, we like to be near museums. This morning we went to uh, Hat Green and we walked around the secret nuclear bunker which isn't very secret anymore, um, but we went around the nuclear bunker. We spent about three hours there this morning doing that. Um, so we're, we're constantly, because we're home editing the children as well, um, we are constantly thinking about things where we can pull on local resources in order to fulfill that. So whether that be, um, you know, going to visit a nature reserve, going to visit a museum, um, or even actually hooking up with other homeschool families and homeschool groups as we go around different areas as well. So like your kids can have a field trip any like a lot more often uh, than like they do at actual school. Um, but like, um, but what, how, how does it work? Do you have to like pay to more at places? Do you have to have like licenses or can you just... Um, can you just go um, to like a place and more there? So basically, uh, uh, Bluebell has a license. Um, I think our license is about £1,200 a year, £1,200 a year. Um, we also have a special license that allows us to trade from the canal uh, as well. But um, basically, with that license, you're entitled to, war to more on any canal and river trust uh, canal or river uh, free of charge for up to two weeks so the law states that you can moor anywhere in any parish for two weeks before you need to move on but in some places like this which are very popular obviously the canal and river trust li limit that to two days sometimes a week sometimes five days uh, in order to get traffic moving through as well uh, but to be honest you know if if you enjoy boating that's really no hardship you know Sometimes we only spend a couple of days in an area anyway, even though we could spend a lot longer um, because you want to travel being on a boat, you know. Yeah. And so, so like, what is it like moving uh, the boat along uh, from place to place? Um, is it quite stressful? Because I know you have done that today. Um, so is it is it quite stressful? Is it a quite stressful thing? How is that like? So it's it's really relaxing. Um, 
so I'll just talk you through now what we would do is uh, I've got my sign, my bye bye and boat sign that literally gets chucked up onto the roof. And then behind me, uh, we've got a cover, a pram cover, which uh, forms my workshop, which is basically like a big dome shape, like a tent sort of thing that fits on the back. And uh, that gets collapsed down. So that's three little pop buttons and that just falls down. Um, we then uh, lift up the rope fenders, which are these things here, uh, which we have down on the mooring side to protect the boat against the side of the wall. Uh, we lift those up. Uh, and then it's a case of just turning on the engine, making sure that the tiller arm's on so that we can uh, steer the boat. Um, and then we just unhitch the ropes, uh, the front first and then the back. And then we toddle off. The whole manoeuvre, Ethan, takes less than five minutes to get the boat started and off the mooring. Uh, we travel around about 2.3 miles per hour. So you'd be able to walk slowly. You'd be walking faster than this boat travels. And uh, that's it. I mean, certainly if you need to get somewhere quick, this isn't the form of transport uh, that you would take, you know. Um, Usually in any given day, we would cruise, when, when we are cruising, we would cruise for up to four hours because that's about our, our limit where we actually really enjoy the cruise. Um, after that, you know, it, it does get a little bit, uh, well, people want to get off, you know, the kids want to get off and play, the dog wants to go off for a walk or the cat's crossing her legs at that point. So she wants to come off uh, and do some business. But um, but yeah, it's incredibly simple. And then when we arrive at the place where we're arriving, uh, we might have had to go through locks in order to, to get there. But when we arrive at the place where we're arriving, some more at the boat, again, five, 10 minutes, the job's done. And uh, then you're set for a few days just to enjoy the local uh, area and uh, go off and explore. Yeah, um, that moves perfectly onto my next question. What is it like uh, being able to explore like a new um, town or village uh, very frequently? It's amazing. And, you know, it, it's what I've been doing, Ethan, is I've been exploring local culture since we left Oxford in the size of their small portions of chips. So what I've done, <laughs> because in Oxford... <laughs> You'll get a small portion of chips and you're left hungry after you've eaten your small portion of chips. The further north you go, I've, well, I've had to consider taking a wheelbarrow to pick up a small bag of chips. <laughs> you get so many. <laughs> that, I mean, that's just one thing. I mean, that is something which is just blatant that you can see that the size of the portion of chips get bigger the further up the country you go. <laughs> uh, but also the accents change, which we're really enjoying, you know, and we're, it's funny because we can travel for four hours. We go into a new village and the accents change, the cultures change, the way of thinking's change. Also, and I'm saying this as a, a Southerner myself, people actually talk to you here. Whereas if you say <laughs> hello to somebody down South, it's like, why are they saying hello to me? You know, me included, you know, I, I'm very much feeling like a southerner up here when people are walking down the towpath and saying, oh, yeah, you know, it's, um, it's, it's a strange thing. People actually talk here. Um, but it's, it's just lovely to see the architecture change. You know, as we were going up into Market Drayton, for instance, there was this really beautiful red sandstone. And what was really interesting, Ethan, is that about an hour earlier, we were coming through these really 
deep cuttings where the navigate the navvies who dug the canal would have had to uh, cut through these rock faces in order to make the canal level with the rest of the the stretch. And we were seeing these red, almost like blood red walls uh, going along. And it was great to then go into the towns that were formed because of the canal being there. You know, the, the, the towns grew and become more prosperous because the canal was bringing goods and, and, and stuff through. But you were seeing the same stone being used to build houses, churches. And so, yeah, things is, it's just lovely seeing those subtle changes. And they're types of things that you wouldn't necessarily pick up if you were just nipping in in a car and then nipping back out again you know, we might do the same thing. So if you were going to Liverpool, you know, we might decide both, we'll go to the pictures, we'll go to Nando's, and then we'll go and do a bit of shopping. Arriving in Liverpool on a boat allows you to do that exactly the same as you would in a car, but you get to experience so much more. You know, you're walking down alleys, you're finding new routes and all of these types of things. So it's, it's fantastic to be able to, you know, every few days, just untie your ropes, float off, and uh, go and experience something new yeah that again sounds great so hopefully you enjoyed uh, part one of my interview uh, with by bike and boat part two will be out in my next show in a month in a month time i know it's normally two weeks but it is a month uh, between this show and the next show um on uh, saturday the 3rd of July on audio and the Sunday the 4th of July on video so stay subscribed for that set your reminders um every uh, if you want to see part two of that interview uh, but I do want to say a big thank you to Rich uh, from Bike and Boke for taking uh, time out of, of his very busy day um, to talk to me. If you want to see more of Buy Bike and Boke, all of the social uh, all of their social media are down in the description down below. So now it is time for the weekly watch list. This week's submission to join the watch list is Blue Miracle. It is about an orphanage uh, that is running out of money. Um, so the person who runs the orphanage and uh, the kids in the some kids in the orphanage partner up with a boat cap captain uh, f- for the chance to win a fishing cut. Co- competition that could save the orphanage i would give it a four out of five it's really touching and i would suggest the watch it is available on netflix so if you want to check it out the link is down in the description down below if you have a tv show or film that you'd like to nominate for the watch list um you can leave it down in the comments down below or email me at the show at gmail.com and type your email the weekly watch list so now it is time for the ben and emma rematch in head to head the best guess hello and welcome to head to head the best guess but uh, today is a little bit of a different one um a couple of weeks ago uh, ben and emma went head to head but um i did four extra questions um but uh, they were still drawing so i just announced it a draw um and but we're back for uh a rematch today so let's welcome on uh, our contestants uh, first up is emma how are you doing today i'm good thank you and uh ben how are you doing today i'm great thank you okay so let's get into it this week's topic is 
the Ben and Emma rematch. Guess the capital or country. So, um, basically, the rules are... Uh, this was suggested by you in the actual, uh, the first game. So there are two people going head-to-head. -head. There's five questions where you'll have, uh, the capital presented to you. And you'll have to guess, uh, what the country is. And then there'll be five questions you, you'll have, uh, the country. And you have to guess what the capital is. There are ten questions overall. I will tell you the answer after each question. The person with the most questions right will win. Let's get started. Okay, um, what country is this the capital of? Uh, it's Quebec, I think. I think I've said that right. Um, okay, do you both have your answers? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, this Quebec. Oh. I've got no clue at all. I just guessed some places. Okay, show your answers to the camera now. You are both sadly incorrect. It was Ukraine. Okay. So I thought like Yeah, okay. So let's move on to the next uh capital. Uh so Lima, what country is this capital of? What is Lima capital of? Okay, I think I've got it. Okay. So show your answers to the camera now. This is really annoying because I, 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 I think I know this. I was going to put Peru or it was either Nigeria or Peru. I think it's not. Okay, it's so Emma's got Peru and Ben's got Nigeria. Okay. I think it's Peru. Emma is correct yeah. with Peru and taking uh, the first lead with one point. Okay. So, uh, New Delhi, what is uh, the this uh, capital of... Uh, w w what country is this capital of? Okay, do you both have your answers? Yeah. Okay, so show your answers to the camera now. Okay, you are both correct. It is India, but uh, Emma is still taking the one lead up from Ben. Okay. So, let's move on to the next question. I have no idea. Antonivro, I've got no idea how to pronounce this. But let's go for with it. Um, what country is this capital of? Okay, do you both have your answer? I mean, a guess, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a complete guess with me. Okay, so show your answers to the camera now. Can you get it in? Uh, what have you got, Ben? But Bosnia and Herzegovina, I and have no clue. And Emma, you've got uh, Malaysia, haven't you? Malaysia. Okay. Yeah. You are both incorrect. It's actually a Madagascar. Okay. So Emma is still winning with two points. Okay. What country is this capital of Helsinki? Okay, do you both have your answers? Yeah. Ben, do you have your answer? I'm stuck between two. Uh, I think I've got mine. You mean yeah. mine, you know, Mo. <laughs> okay, show your answers to the camera now. I went Finland, yeah. Okay, you are... 
both correct with Finland, but Emma is still leading uh, with one point, and Ben is one point behind. Okay, so what capital, uh, what is the capital of this country? The confusion on Ben's face. <laughs> well, I don't actually know this one. <laughs> I should know this. I think I do, but I can't. I can't bring it into my head. I'm just gonna put a question mark. Okay, so show your answers up to the camera now. When I see it, I'm gonna completely know what it is. Okay, you. Emma is correct. Um, it was Ang. I've got no idea how to pronounce yeah, these names. Yeah, I remember names. that now. Um, okay, so next question. Oh, yeah, Emma has got four points, and Ben is behind with two points. Okay, so what what is the capital of uh, Thailand? Okay, do you both have your answers? Yeah. Okay, show your answers to the camera now. Okay, uh, Emma's got Bangkok and Ben has got ques a question mark. Okay. And uh, Emma is correct, yes, again, with Bangkok and has, has five points. I think that is correct, isn't it, Emma? Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't think, been keeping track. Yeah, I think it is five. And then Ben is behind with two points. You really need to catch up, Ben, if you want to win. Okay. So, next question. So, what is the capital of Switzerland? Okay, do you both hear your answers? Yeah. Okay, I'll show your answers to the camera now. Uh, where is it? Okay. Oh, uh, it is Bern, isn't it? Okay, Emma's got... These ones, I just can't recall them. Okay, Emma is correct with Bern. Okay, so... I... Personally, I would have not got many of these. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, okay. That one because it's like the German for like mountain. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like not the same, but it's like it. Yeah. It like I thought. Um, I can't remember, but it's it was like one of those ones that you wouldn't think it's the capital because it's like it's a bit like Canada. It's a bit quite hard to know the capital. Okay, so this is the second last question. Um, what is the capital of Argentina? And Emma is on six, uh, six points at the moment, and Ben is still on two. Okay, do you both have your answers? Yeah. Okay, so, uh. Show your answers up to the camera now. Okay. Well, at least you put one. <laughs> okay, Emma's got a question mark, and Ben, what you've got again? It's just it's like Bruno Alice or something. It's like okay, it's um, weird name. Can't you are it. correct. Yeah. 
Uh, ben with Berners Aris. I've got no idea how to pronounce it. Uh, you are catching up, but sadly, it is the second last question. Um, so to be honest, you probably can't win. But let's do the second last. Uh, let's do the last question anyway. Um, so, um, okay. This is the last question. What is the capital of Australia? Okay, do you both have your answers? Yeah. Okay, show them up to the camera now. Uh, yeah, we both went to Canberra. You are both correct. It is uh, Canberra. Um, but sadly, that wasn't enough, Ben, uh, to get you caught up. So, um, our, our and our winner is Emma of the Bennett and Emma rematch with seven points. Uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, I don't know whether I'll ever need this knowledge in life, but it's good to know I have this knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Um, you probably would have, d uh, would have done a lot better than me. Um, and uh, just behind with four points is uh, Ben. He, he was coming back um, just on them last few questions, but it wasn't quite enough. How do you feel about um, losing, Ben? Uh, I think I probably could have done better, but I think it, I was lucky that um, I think Emma was really, really good, so I don't think... I was able to, I think that's why I couldn't win. <laughs> that, that, that's nice. Okay, thank you uh, for being on today. Okay, bye. So, well done to Emma for winning this Head-to-Head -head, The Best Guess. If you want the chance to come on Head-to-Head -head, The Best Guess, you can email me at thebrickishshow at gmail.com. Sadly, that is all we have time for in today's show. We'll be back on the 3rd of July on audio and the 4th of July on video with part 2 of my interview with By Bike and Boat, um, the weekly watch list, and head to head the best guess. Please share this video with your friends and family. Like, comment and listen to last week's episode. If you haven't already listened to this show until the end. Email me and subscribe. Uh, because we are trying to get to 100 subscribers. Or favourite follow or review or whatever your listening platform does. It really, really does help out. In the meantime, if you have any suggestions to make the show better. Or about the Brick Kids Gaming Show. Or if you want... If you want to talk on the show, or if you have a TV show or film that you'd like to nominate for the watch list, or if you want to compete in Head to Head, the best guess, comment below, voice message me on Anchor, or email me at thebrickhistshow at gmail.com. So that is all we have time for this week. We will be back on the 3rd of July on audio and the 4th of July on video at the same time. But for now, goodbye. Bringing you a kid-friendly radio show Every Saturday afternoon on YouTube Broadcasting live at one Broadcasting live at one o'clock